I'm not walking through the metaverse. We will. We in will be. We will be. In the high street. If the metaverse comes and I'm walking through boots instead of like the spaceport, we have failed as a civilization. The paucity of imagination. We're going through Edinburgh Woolen Mill in the metaverse. Welcome to the Media Week podcast, the podcast made for media people by media people. Don't worry, we're not your CEOs just yet. We're your common media folk in the weeds of the day to day. Each episode, we'll share opinions on hot topics in the media world, along with some bants to keep you going on a Friday afternoon. So who's in the room? It's me, your host, Harriet from Publicis, Jack from Craft. Guten Tag. Buki from Wavemaker. Hey, y'all. And Charlie from MIQ. Hello. In today's episode, we'll discuss the death of the high street and media's role in supporting its resurgence or its slow and painful demise. But first... In the connected TV landscape, trade sources report on Warner Brothers Discovery losing 1.8 million subscribers in the first three months following the launch of Max, when HBO Max was renamed in the US. That said, Warner Brothers Discovery is undoubtedly a powerhouse in the media landscape, but many streaming services are all under pressure to deliver new subscribers. What will this mean for the future of the landscape in 2023? Everyone needs to chill a little bit in terms of this kind of like exponential continued growth. It's going to be peaks and troughs. I think cited in one of the reasons why there was this decrease in subscribers was obviously there was a consolidation between Max and Discovery Plus. So the people who had two subscriptions were like, well, I don't need two subscriptions. I just need one. So obviously you've got some people dropping off because of that. And also like the peak of their numbers has hit from shows such as like Succession, Game of Thrones, House of Dragon, Last of Us. So you've got to think these are the kind of programming that's going to really bolster their numbers if you're in a period of like, you know, refreshing your content, then obviously people are going to drop off. We're going to go to somewhere else, another streaming service for a little bit, because as consumers, we're pretty fickle and we can't have 10 subscriptions on the go. So we're going to have one for a bit. And then when you come out with some more blockbuster stuff, we'll be back. So if I'm honest, I think relax, peaks and troughs, it's chill. Yeah, I think like we're used to always like, back in the days of terrestrial, you would change between channels as things came on that you wanted to watch. So we'd expect like a that churn is completely normal. I think what we're seeing now, like in my view, sort of the death of the age of, oh, I've got Netflix and that has all the content that I want. I think from COVID when people are used to having lots of streaming platforms, I sort of think that it's no longer just one that you have. You have just lots and you'll have different ones in different months based upon what they've got. Until there's a proper selection of platforms that have ad funded options from a media planning perspective, it's fairly, you know, great, whatever, like, you know, they're just fragmenting the, the same and a volume of eyeballs. We only watch telly for so long every day. I guess until someone consolidates them all into a package where people can actually afford to have all of them at once as well, there's not going to be a huge amount of sort of, you know, massive change. But That's actually so funny when you think about it because that's technically what Sky was yeah. back in the day. They were literally like, let's just get everything and put it in one place. And everyone was like, sick. And now it's fragmenting so bad, like to the point that everyone's literally like, no, I don't know what I'm doing. And at some point, someone's going to buy it all up. In the metaverse, global accessories retailer Claire's is expanding its Roblox presence. Creative gaming studio Super League is a developer of immersive experiences for metaverse platforms and is working with Claire's to do just that. Now, we spoke in depth previously about our views of brands in the metaverse in a, a former episode. I know, Jack, you had some uh, 
strong views on the future of that. So will the move from Claire's suggest that other brands within the same category will follow suit? I think you could, it's more of a move into gaming than it is metaverse, isn't it? Because Roblox is just such a popular game and it has that kind of functionality where you can build your own sort of realities and stuff. And Claire's, to the best of my knowledge, I've never shopped there. It may surprise you to hear, but it's kind of aimed towards sort of teenage girls, right? So, I mean, it's accessing, you know, pretty big girl gamer audience and it seems like quite a smart play from a planning perspective. I think Roblox is hot property, as you kind of said, at the minute. You mentioned about whether it's going to be more people from the same category. I think it's going to be everyone from every category getting into this. I think when you look at Gen Z and people were looking into what Gen Z are doing, as a recent stat came out saying I think 98% of Gen Z are into gaming of some sort. Obviously, gaming is huge, so that doesn't surprise many of us. And in terms of other things coming out, I know that the US like Tennis Association recently launched the Roblox activation and even at WaveMaker we have launched an activation just I think last week uh, for one of our UK clients I know one of the the OGs Chopper Chops Chopper um, Chops yeah 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 nice. Chopper Chops they're like virtual virtual lollipops <laughs> in the in the game that is so sick it's like a, it's like an in-game kind of world where you can collect things and do different stuff you know Roblox so it's a huge huge area we're having so many clients come towards us and ask about how to activate in this space or what the best practice is. And so we're having to actually combine like different parts of the agency to be able to kind of meet that demand with innovation, sports, live and gaming, smash that together, media. It's fantastic. So I think, um, yeah, our UK team kind of led that with, I think, a studio called Misfits. So I think it's a huge, huge, huge area when, for growth. When's, how long is that running for? Because that's something like that needs to run for quite a long period of time, right? Yeah, so it's a test and learn approach that they're implementing. So they've put that together for or a, um, the or client. Or suck it and see. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yes, a test and learn approach. <laughs> Sorry, your ethos. I know. <laughs> yeah. It's a chopper chops joke. <laughs> test and learn approach. Um, and so this initial period is going to be about a three month activation and we'll see where things go from there. But um, yeah, very, very exciting for the industry, for the agency and for the client, really. For the industry. Cool. Very good. In social, New York is one of the latest US cities to ban TikTok on city-owned devices due to national security concerns. According to a trade source, there have been various attempts over the last three years to ban TikTok nationwide. Will other markets follow suit? And what will this mean for advertisers leveraging social commerce opportunities on TikTok? So that's quite an interesting one. And yeah, security concerns aside, if they were to ban TikTok, you can guarantee that a copycat would arise in its place and it would basically do the same as what TikTok does. And the reason I can say this is because in India, they banned it like straight off the bat immediately and a platform called Josh arise. And if you look up Josh, it's basically the same thing. And we advertised on it for Formula E when they had their race in Hyderabad. And it's basically TikTok. So if they were to ban it, there would just be like a, a meritoc or whatever they would call their American version <laughs> of it. I also don't like, surely it's just like officials devices or something like that. So like, yeah. unless and I, I do get these briefs where you look into B2B targeting of governmental officials. I don't know yeah. how many people we'd actually beyond Donald Trump's probably next election campaign. I don't know how many like campaigns, how big an impact they would actually have on, on any sort of actual activations. I don't know. Well, speaking of TikTok. <laughs> 
In gaming, Amazon-owned platform Twitch is actually testing a TikTok-style feed to allow users to browse content. The virtual scrolling feed is defined as a discovery feed and was rolled out to specific users in August, according to TechCrunch. So we'll see what happens there and whether that's a a permanent addition. So I do actually have something to say on this one, because... As I've said quite a lot recently, I have recently joined Sports Live and Gaming uh, at Gravemaker. I don't know if anyone knew. Um, so I did actually check in with some of the experts on this just to make sure we could give, you know, the listeners a real opinion on this. And the... As opposed to what me and Charlie and Exactly. <laughs> you know, we're good on the media's front of things, but when we get into the gaming side, I thought, let me consult the experts. All right. And so the feeling on this is a little bit split. So our experts from the US office, uh, Pete and Joe, shout out, said that on the one hand, it could save creators time and money, especially if they're able to achieve a similar reach as typically seen on TikTok feeds. But that being said, Twitch is one of the only platforms that is still very desktop heavy with only about 35% of their views coming from mobile. So introducing a vertical kind of scrolling feed might not be the best like user function Mm. for the audience now. So my thought on that now is it could be future proofing. So it's 35% of views now, but what does that look like in the coming years? They might just be getting ready for those kind of shifts and allowing to make sure that the content fits. But similarly, another piece of gold from Joe saying that the way that they could win this is an effective integration with their Clips product. I looked into this and basically Clips is where you can take little bits of the live streams because obviously the live streams are normally quite long, like hours and stuff. It's like YouTube shorts. Exactly. So it's like YouTube shorts, but for Twitch. So if you can integrate this kind of vertical scrolling with the clip so that it's kind of short form video, vertical, you can probably bolster your mobile views. It is quite weird because their whole thing revolves around sitting watching people play games and talk about games and all this kind of stuff. And that's not the sort of thing that you consume over sort of the 30 seconds or whatever that you might watch a good TikTok video for. So it's quite a shift, but it probably is a a future proofing thing. In the beauty and cosmetic category, according to an industry source, Estee Lauder is increasing its advertising budget next fiscal, despite seeing a 10% drop in net sales. Will we see the likes of Coty and others upping their ad spend too? Well, they're going to lose out on share of voice, aren't they? So it's actually a really smart play. If their share of market is dropping, to go real nerdy about it, your share of voice has to exceed your, your share of market by a, kind of an excessive amount in order to make sure that your brand's growing. So... They're actually following a really proven marketing playbook with that. So it's very smart. So Cody should, you know, pull the socks up. Yeah, Yeah, no, um, brand should spend more money in advertising. Um, (laughs) Especially with with MIQ would be my my insight. All right, Um, well, in lieu of that, a huge driver is this. I don't know if anyone saw that Estee Lauder becoming a main sponsor for Man United. Really? Uh, Yeah, so they, they are making a huge play in the sports market. And obviously... It's an area that you haven't really seen beauty brands in. So I think that's probably what's contributed to some of the increase. They're saying that um, the men's beauty market is estimated to reach like $33 billion by 2027, with $10 billion alone coming from China. Man United is notoriously popular mm-hmm. in the kind of the APAC regions, even though it's a, an English Premier League club. At least so... a billion of that comes from Charlie's nail polish. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. So I think everything you kind of said is right. I think it's the right play. And I think the avenues in which they're doing it, it's not just kind of obviously they're upping their traditional spend in marketing, but obviously upping this kind of like partnership with 
a huge global brand such as Man United is a, is a massive play for them. Got some good insights today with your gaming, yeah, your you sporting. I, I told you, sports live and gaming for the win. In the world of influencers, an article in the trade press recently discusses whether influencers could be the answer to mitigate retail store closures. Mm. But that brings us on to what media can do as a whole to support the resurgence of the high street. Now, even pre-pandemic, the UK retail industry has faced its challenges due to changing consumer behaviours and the growth of e-commerce. To name a few, Debenhams went into administration, I think, in 2020, Arcadia Group, who owned Topshop, Top Man, also did. Rest in peace. Uh, House of Fraser was acquired by Sports Direct. Mothercare did. Toys R Us did. So there were quite a few players in the landscape falling down. Mm-hmm. Now, the world-famous Oxford Street in London is due to undergo a revamp with an estimated £90 million in the bank for the project. Very impressive. So first thing first, what can we do or what do we think media can do to increase footfall to the high street and enhance the experience, I suppose. And are we contributing to the high street's slow and painful demise or are we helping its resurgence? So I think, first of all, like on that redevelopment, really excited, like the death of Hershey's chocolate shops that just are out there at the moment, more trees, and yeah, less of those money laundering front vape shops that yeah, literally just right. seem to, I don't know how they're making money, I'm pretty those sure. Well, I, th- I think we I'm all know like, how they're making money. Who's buying that much candy? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we can change that for trees and more pedestrian. I think that's that's really exciting. But I think what we're seeing is kind of maybe an evolution of what in-store retail becomes. I think we're looking at the stores that can create a lovely experience. Like for me, it's not just when I'm panicked looking for a present, but going into Oliver Bonus can be quite a nice, like there's lots of nice things in there. And it's even if you walk out with nothing, you're like, oh, well, that was still a nice experience you have. So I think shops like that, where you can create that wonderful experience and that nice sort of interacting it feels like nice. And I think those still have a place in store, but I think there's maybe a lot of stores where they don't do that. It's just about buying the product where maybe we should see more of those sort of migrate online, which I think is where things like, you know, the growth of retail media will become more and more prevalent. Can they focus on that rather than their brick and mortar stores? Whereas those stores that really have something to offer can really sort of engage people. Maybe they should be really focusing on actually bringing people to engage with their brands in person. No, I definitely hear that. I think on the kind of quick, easy wins in terms of the stuff that really should be migrating online. Obviously, we've got the rise in, you know, social commerce, shoppable ads, all that kind of thing. And I do think they need to be getting into that space. But when you get to that physical experience, I think you're entirely correct. I think people often look to media and, for example, influencers or something like that to save when actually what's the, the problem is with the product. So, yeah, Charlie, you're bang on with the evolution of it. And I think the best example of this is with HMV obviously flagship Oxford Street store closed down very very sad first place I got my beats by Dre other headphones are available but you know <laughs> I've, been, I've literally been wearing those since what 2017 and I if they break I buy a new pair like I'm not getting a different pair and I went into the shop tried on every single pair of headphones and then decided to buy you don't really have that anywhere right now so I think the fact that HMV is coming back to Oxford Street or has come back to Oxford Street, but they have changed their focus. They're not just buying CDs and whatever. They're heavily vinyl focused, which has seen a huge resurgence. And I can only imagine that they would continue to kind of move with what the trends are. So if vinyl falls out of favor and something else comes in, 
I'm assuming that they would then follow that trend, but they're also then focusing on the live music experience. You know, think so far sounds kind of vibes, bringing people in and to Charlie's point, just making sure the in-store experience is up to scratch. And that's what you need to do. I don't think media can save anyone like that. What books said. I agree. <laughs> I have nothing to add for once. Thank I, you. I think We're best friends today. I know. <laughs> I think one thing that media can do, which is quite interesting in an article that you shared, Harriet, was looking at the influence side of things, which I guess is kind of a bit of the dark arts maybe of, of, of sort of media is like how you book that space in your sort of marketing strategy. But I think that was quite interesting looking at part of creating that atmosphere can be that that TikTok buzz of like, oh my God, this celebrity that I like is in this store. And then before you know it, you're like, why is it so busy here? And it's just, you've missed that TikTok video that's quite sort of interesting. So that could still be a role I guess media could play is how can you look at where your audience is, the right channel and sort of suggest around how you can use paid promotions alongside maybe organic work you're doing to sort of drive that engagement. I think we're all talking about like, Oxford Street, which is, let's face it, a massive outlier when it comes to high streets in the UK. If we're talking about the high street in like Warrington or Kettering or Northampton, these places are the places that are now kind of overrun by bookies, chicken shops, and bookies. just sort of like not yeah, yeah, bookies everywhere. <laughs> I've never been to Warrington in my life. Bookmakers, um, betting shops, you know that that sort of thing. But so it's like they, these are places where they don't have kind of big flagship stores. I think that. Brands still want to have positioning on Oxford Street and in the area because it's a prestigious place and it has that kind of peacock feathers thing going on where it's kind of a big display of what mm. they are. But, you know, when it comes to the long tail of like physical retail in the UK, that is really, really struggling. I don't think that media can actually do much to help that. But just because it's so much easier for media to facilitate online purchase, we make it much easier. And you've said it before, Bookie, on previous podcasts about removing the steps you go through to make a purchase. You can go literally from TikTok to, you know, actually making mm. a purchase, for example. Whereas, you know, trying to influence people to get in their cars and drive to the high street is, a you know, that's a tall order. Yeah. There are obviously two very different questions really in that mm. there's the Oxford Street flagship store yeah. approach where it's you know media can really create hype mm. around its rejuvenation but I think that one's a losing battle as in the high street outside of London which yes I agree I think we are contributing to the the slow and painful demise. We're well, contributing I, I, to it. But I, well, I, yeah. I, I don't... Brands are spending their money on retail media and online commerce opportunities. Mm. Yeah. Like, there won't be a need. I'm oh, ju- do you know what? I'm just going to say as well, I hate shopping so much. <laughs> yeah. Like, I went to Oxford Street because I work near there recently to try and buy some jeans. And, like, I've bought them on ASOS because, do you know what? I can just find the size that I want, which is quite fat, pretty short, you know, and they, which they don't necessarily have in the in the store. So I'm like, I, you could just remove all of these pain barriers and the fact you have to dodge around other people walking yeah, way so too jarring. slowly because it's the summer holidays. I think I would like to rebrand it from the slow and painful demise <laughs> to the essential evolution of the high street because you've got to think the reason we're keeping some of these high street people be like oh yeah well you know you know someone's grandma they want to go into boots and buy yeah. whatever they need with the utmost respect those people are aging out so like there's going to be a point where we 
are the grandmas and the grandpas. Mm. And to be perfectly honest, at that time, I'm not going to Boots. I'm buying everything online. Yeah, well, then this may be an essential virtual evolution because we'll be kind of walking through, guaranteed, the metaverse. Uh, (laughs) I'm not walking through the metaverse. We will. We will be. We will be. If the metaverse comes and I'm walking through Boots (laughs) instead of like the spaceport, we have failed as a civilization. (laughs) different of imagination. We're going through Edinburgh Woolen Mill <laughs> in the metaverse. Well, I mean, sure, surely if you need to go and buy some paracetamol, though, in the long. morning, you're just going to go to Boots. It's well, it. There's still essential things. There's still last-minute presents, things that you were not organised enough to actually buy. So there'll still be... It's just weird what will be the essential shops, you know, just the few that you Amazon can get. Amazon do one day. Little legs. Amazon do one day. Get here one day. It's coming straight to my yard. I'm not going <laughs> to the metaverse and I'm not going to the shop. Yeah, right. Well, you can go That's on your just own. Me, I'm, I'm, I'm going to Boots. Yeah, and I think, there will, and like I said, I think the physical spaces will still need to exist to an extent. And I think it will be case by case, town by town. I think things will look very different. You know, high streets in London will look very different to high streets in the north and high streets everywhere else. Mm. And I think they will just have to serve their local communities in what they need. And if they need physical event and experience space, there's all this chat about Gen Z valuing experience more than material goods and all that kind of stuff. Then yeah, we're just going to have to pivot. I love there for a moment. You, you were like, you were like London and God, is there anywhere else outside of London in the UK? <laughs> I was like, we already but said one. Like, like, oh, yeah, no. so it's London. There's like Croydon. <laughs> Um. <laughs> ring 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 hello media and on we only got two and one of them doesn't count so people really need to be sending some more in we one do... doesn't count i want yeah, to know what this one you're is gonna, yeah you're gonna find out and the reason i'm bringing it out is because it's the second week in a row that we have received this one the first time i dismissed it because it was a one-worder this time i feel like it might be coming a real issue for this person and it was just the word syphilis, so. <laughs> right, well, moving on. <laughs> so my only advice on that is reach out to your GP. I'm sure everything's fine. Such we've got loads of- clinics. Exactly, yeah. we've got loads of- We're not on Tudor times exactly. anymore. Exactly, these things are easily dealt with, but please don't send that one again. Is syphilis easily dealt with? Uh, I thought it sent you mad and that it was just a long, slow- In, in those days, demand. like we're in oh, 2023 right, okay. now, they can just clear that up. I thought it was snap, like a sort snap. of post-Civil War exactly, kind of- Exactly, like know, scurvy or everyone something. Everyone having fun at court. <laughs> Don't don't get. I mean, if we want to go go historical, can we can we get a have a proper problem? Now? Yeah. So the only the one oh, we've got today is a very proper problem. <laughs> I, I've heard a media problem, a media yes, related so problem. So this this one, uh, this one's quite interesting, and I'll be very interested to get you guys' thoughts on it. So I've been part of my team for a few years now, and my manager has always been a bit dot 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 old school. Recently, we got some new, very young, very innocent people who joined. And I don't think the management style works for those Gen Zs. One of them cried three times in their first week after meetings with our manager. I don't know if I should get involved and tell our manager he needs to work on his delivery of feedback or stay out of it and let them harden to it. Any advice? And I think this is one, you probably see this a lot. I think it's a good, it's nice not to be purely dealing with people's sexual issues and relationship (laughs) issues. Um, But uh, no, I think this is like certainly something we're seeing more and more as the industry evolves, as I think what, you know, a younger generation likes to do and sees, you know, the fun side of socialising with colleagues as. And I think, yeah, people have to adapt. I think someone that, you know, historically has been very good at, you know, maybe getting the best CPM on a TV buying deal, like maybe they're not 
best adapted for managing these people. I love like that you went straight to telly. Straight to it's got it's got to be telly, but um, <laughs> no, I think like is there now a position I've seen in some companies like people who are very good at their jobs. You know, they're they're just not managers. Sometimes it's okay, cool. You're very good at this. You're a good technical resource but actually we don't think you're the best port of call for this management so do you have more pastoral roles that actually sort of look after that and then roles that are more you're technically very good so i think there should probably be can we adapt that person to be better and more suited to that but also if they are good for the company but not for those people can we maybe take that side of thing management away from them? it goes both ways right because you've got you know on, on one side there'll be people listening um who've been in the industry years going bloody snowflake generation then it sort themselves out but the thing is i couldn't like i like you know pat butcher. Mate, yeah, yeah yeah pat butcher is managing everyone no but do you know what like i definitely had a few situations where i had a little cry in my sort of like first few months and that was way back in sort of like the sort of early bronze age so like nah i'm joking but like i think people at the start of their careers find it very easy to get overwhelmed by stuff because you're just you're surrounded all of a sudden not by people who are your own age you're seeing that people aren't you know kind of gonna take any shit mm-hmm. and i think that whilst we need to be really mindful of how we manage people at the start of their careers and accepting the fact they're not going to know everything as quickly as you want them to and there is going to be some adjustment period after having come out of uni or if they're an apprenticeship straight out of sixth form i think there needs to be kind of something on both sides and it sounds like this person who's written in is thinking about in the right way of like potentially talking to the manager and saying, hey, maybe you need to kind of just be a little bit more mindful of being a little bit more sympathetic to these people. But at the same time, she should probably speak to those people who have been upset as well and be like, look, it's not that deep. You're taking this like way really, really personally. So it's it's kind of a bit of both. You just got to handle with kid gloves. But that person who's written in is doing the right thing to ask. You ever made anyone cry, Harriet? <laughs> yes. <laughs> No, she she makes me cry after every podcast. I'd be mortified to think that I I did. But I think what I would say is that, and this isn't a critique of that person, but I think a leader learns how to grow themselves and develop themselves. And I think part of that is knowing your audience and understanding how to navigate conversations. And so if they're finding that things aren't landing right or people aren't responding, then they need to figure out what they're doing that is not landing right to be able to rechannel their direction or instructions for them to land better. Harriet, that was gorgeous. Otherwise, Harriet's going to come down on them like a ton yeah. of bricks with a karate chop. <laughs> that was actually gorgeous because I think we definitely looked at it from like the lower thing, but as a leader, you need to do better. So yes, people might be a bit snowflakes, but you're supposed to be able to handle that. We're all snowflakes. I'm a exactly. massive... As soon as anyone gives me feedback at work, I'm like, no, no. <laughs> we talk at work, we talk about the feedback kind of cycle where like you're imme- when you get feedback, your immediate response is fuck off. <laughs> and then the thing that comes after that is I'm awful, I'm useless. And then the next stage after that is, okay, so what do we do to improve, oh, improve Is that this? how everyone else's brain works? That's how we talk about it at work. We're just Yo. there. I always say, oh, you're probably thinking you want me to fuck off right now. And the, they usually give a little nod. Does everyone here manage people do you, or have you managed people in the past? What's like your management style then? Um, autocracy yep. uh, complete submission to the leader yep. um, I'm right go away no I'm joking it's, <laughs> no, it's, no you, I, I think it's you have to flex your management style based on the situation yeah. 
you only can see things through your perspective. It's very hard to say, actually, how is this going to be best for this person? How can they actually, this is the way that they'll best learn. This is the thing, like without getting anyone's backs up, how can you really get them to actually see your point and see what, what the benefit is without getting those defense mechanisms come up or, mm. you know, without, yeah, that fuck off being said. Yeah. <laughs> Operate in a, a space of trust and respect. Yeah. That was, that, that, that was that quite is, a sensible that one. Is, that's yeah. it. Cracked it. Yeah. Look at this guy. But on that note, it wraps up today's episode. you liked what you heard like and subscribe and also if you'd like to submit a media anon go to the show notes let's go and condoms for syphilis mainly yeah (laughs)